0: Welcome to What the F is Going On in Latin America and the Caribbean, a popular resistance broadcast of hot news out of the region. In partnership with Black Alliance for Peace Haiti Americas team, Code Pink, Common Frontiers, Council on Hemispheric Affairs, Friends of Latin America, Interreligious Task Force on Central America, Massachusetts Peace Action, and Task Force on the Americas, We broadcast Thursdays, excuse me, at 4.30 p.m. Pacific, 7.30 p.m. Eastern, right here on YouTube Live, including channels for The Convo Couch, Popular Resistance, and Code Pink. Post-broadcast recordings can be found at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Telegram, radindymedia.com, and now under Podcasts at popularresistance.org. Today's episode, Whatever Happened to That Plane? U.S. Unilateral Sanctions and the Saga of Venezuela's entrasur Cargo 747. Our very special guest today is Orlenis Ortiz. She's a citizen journalist joining us from Venezuela. I'm also very pleased to tell you uh, she's a, a, a personal friend of mine, and I'm quite honored to have her join us uh, for this episode. This is the first time she's appeared on What the F is Going On in Latin America, and um, it's a real honor for me um, to host her. Um, in today's episode, before we have her um, join us, I want to give all of you in the audience uh, a brief background of this incredibly complicated, almost unbelievable um, situation that happened with a Venezuelan owned um, cargo plane June of last year. And the case um, has extended through um, this year as well. It involves grounding of the plane, um, sequestering the crew, and and many other really rare, unique, bizarre um, circumstances. So let me just give you uh, this brief background, and then we'll have Arlene's join us. She was one of the few journalists actually on the ground in Argentina covering the story from the very, very beginning. So uh, on May 3rd of this year, May 3rd, 2023, the Argentinian press reported a U.S. prosecutor requested the U.S. Justice Department to order the definitive execution of the seizure order of Emtrasur Boeing 747 300, being Empresa de Transporte Aerocargo del Sur. The plane arrived in Argentina in June 2022 in what was supposedly a routine cargo flight. Nonetheless, the aircraft, its cargo, and its crew quickly raised the alarms across Argentina, and it was seized by local authorities. Shortly after, U.S. authorities got involved, claiming the sale of the aircraft by the Iranian state carrier Mahan Air to Venezuela's Convianza was a clear violation of the U.S. export control laws. Convianza deployed the 747 on its cargo subsidiary, Amtrasur. Almost a year has passed. The crew has been released, but the plane remains grounded in Buenos Aires. Venezuela's government has repeatedly requested the return of the Amtrasur Boeing 747. In the meantime, the U.S. government has conducted a process to seize the aircraft, Argentina's Ministry of Justice has received a letter sent by the US Justice Department requesting that the aircraft be handed over to it. So I also should just say, uh, before we start this conversation, MTRSOR acquired the aircraft in 2022. It operated a few cargo services across Latin America in 2022 before its grounding in Buenos Aires. According to the US Department of Justice, Mahan Air, the Iranian state airline, violated the temporary denial order and US export control laws when it sold the aircraft to Amtrasur without the US government's authorization. Other violations of US laws occurred between February and May 2022 when Amtrasur flew the aircraft between Caracas, Venezuela, Tehran, Iran, and Moscow, Russia without US government authorization. And so I really want to point that out without U.S. government authorization. This was a plane uh, purchased and owned by the Iranian government and then sold uh, to the sovereign nation of Venezuela. And as the audience knows, this theme of extrajudicial reach of the United States government is a recurring um, topic um, on this program. So with that, I want to um, have you all meet uh, Orlenis Ortiz. Uh my friend and and fellow activist and journalist, and um, Orlanes was on the ground in Buenos Aires from the start of this case. And so Orlanis, maybe you can uh, give us start with what you saw, why you went and and the initial days of this case, and then you also reported on on uh, the release of the crew members too, last fall. Well,
1: I'm pleased to be finally here with you, and I would like to convey my greetings to those hearing this conversation. Yes, a year has passed. So you feel some uh, you feel nostalgic, but you, we need to keep in our minds the things that we saw and lived. I was casually in Argentina uh, between May and June. Uh, and when I was coming back home, I was supposed to come back home. The airline uh, suspended the flight, and precisely we started to see this in, in the media, the situation with the aircraft uh, withheld in Ezeiza. I tried to establish a contact with our colleagues in Venezuela to see if I was able to be there uh, where the airplane was and have interviews with the crew and see and show what was going on because immediately there was a condemnation in the media without further investigation and in Venezuela there has not been a, there had not a political reaction to the, to the situation i had the opportunity to meet the crew members in the i went from buenos aires to Ezeiza. we were able to be familiar with the uh, chronology or the schedule of the facts and we started to coordinate with uh, argentinian colleagues so that we can have media uh, spaces to precisely counteract this narrative that was being spread in an arti- in an arbitrary and premeditated manner because the members of the crew were being accused as terrorists and they didn't have any criminal background. And when the investigation started, some, uh, um, I mean, we started to show that they were not uh, requested by Interpol or any police uh, court, but since in Argentina called, there is culturally an anti-Iranian sentiment. And bingo, having this coincidence of Iranians and Venezuelans as part of a crew that triggered the scandal, you know, because uh, there were people promoting this media operation to uh, to somehow install fear in the mind of people because, uh, you know, It was an automatic uh, condemnation for the crew members being Iranian and Venezuelan. So there was a lot of movement in the media. There was no response from the crew members because they didn't have a space to speak. So we were trying to uh, have a counterbalance to by showing documents, by talking to the crew members, by showing the first reports of the aircraft. the payment received of the fuel and that the fuel, this fuel was not uh, put on the aircraft because there was a fear for the sanctions that the United States could apply for, to those who were helping uh, this uh, aircraft. So what we saw later on was truly complex and the complicity of the nearby government in the case of Uruguay, Paraguay, we saw how the president of Paraguay back then admitted publicly, and he was proud of that, that he had triggered an alert for this airplane to be withheld in Argentina, because this airplane was suspicious. And there were members of the crew that were Iranian and Venezuelan. So this is, these are the circumstances that surround the facts. And then we um, started to collect documents to show every stage of this process and that uh, enabled us to dismantle this media operation.
0: So let me um, just clarify for, for the audience. The plane is a Boeing 747. It was manufactured in the United States. It was sold to, I believe, a French airline first. The French sold it to the Iranian state airline. The Iranian sold it to Venezuela. Now, when you buy something, you believe you're buying it as a sovereign entity, whether an individual, a state government, or private business. And so it's fa- the story is just so fascinating that none of these nations have any sovereignty um, outside of of the united states now the the crew was iranian and venezuelan Uh, the pilot was iranian i believe and all of them were considered terrorists initially am i correct in that labeled terrorists and held the plane was granted grounded and held and the crew was basically sequestered kidnapped kidnapped held in a in a in hotel rooms outside of buenos aires can you tell us a little bit about the crew what how they were designated how how and why they were designated terrorists and and what their story was i mean they were held for from june to i believe october see yes
1: almost four months if i'm not wrong and uh, from june the the 8th uh, the aircraft was already here i want to share the slide that i brought in which you can see the fake news that were spread during the first stage of this uh, situation where you can see a chronology of the facts and uh you see how this was depicted in the media, the whole media constructions against the crew members. This is vital to understand that this was not a spontaneous thing, this was right. systematic with complicity and in alliance with the main right wing media outlets in Argentina, such as Clarín, La Nación, among others. So there was a very important, uh, significant coverage in prime time. The most important uh, TV shows were actually trying to show things and saying and repeating messages and calling these uh, crew members terrorists. And there are some things I would like to highlight while we share the slide.
0: First. Me...
1: The 19
0: I'm people that you
1: <laughs> mentioned that were kidnapped yes, they were kidnapped, because that's the real situation yeah. they were not only withheld the life of these people during all this period of time more than 400 days was uh, uh, I'm going to tell you the exact uh, number it's 4 months i correct myself but their life were their lives were interrupted their work was in, were interrupted their plans were interrupted. It was not the situation about the crew members, also the operations of the aircraft. So a lot of uh, people and equipment were affected. And this, I mean, the uh, also a commercial situation, the appearance of this airline was a threat for the other airlines in the region. These 19 professionals of uh, uh, civil aviation, These are longstanding career crew members. They have a lot of experience, and I want to highlight this because I wanted to clarify any doubt. Why this uh, crew had Venezuelan and Iranian uh, members? Well, since Venezuela purchased this airplane, they needed to receive a training for Mm -hmm. properly uh, handling this uh, aircraft. And in the, air, in the aircraft, we had uh, a double crew of Iranians and Venezuelans because the Venezuelans were receiving uh, training. They, have, they had completed all the theoretical part of their training, and they, now they were uh, with the practical part. There was a single woman that was part of this uh, crew, Victoria Valdivieso. She's the mother of uh, three children. Can you imagine the drama of separating this uh, mother of her children for such a long time, two of them minors, and the story of each one of these persons. When I remember their stories, it gives me goosebumps. I remember their uncertainty, the feelings they were having, because this is not about just covering the facts. I was there as a person. I, I was very involved with this case and I was able to see with my very eyes what they were feeling, what their concern was, how they feel uh, uh, outraged because they had been kidnapped and their public image and their reputation uh, were being stained in the long term because even despite that they were released and that the case has turned into something else, and most of them were uh, simply, their cases were dismissed so nothing happened but for them it something definitely happened because the effects of of this are preventing them from working in some places some of them uh had their visas of to the united states were annulled so this type of consequences they are also having f- familiar costs So it's not only the members of the crew suffering from this unfair situation, but their families as well. So supporting them for me was important, visibilizing their stories and showing the faces of the people involved. And when the stories started to be known, we started to uh, saw expressions of solidarity in Argentina people started to have doubts uh, about uh, the fake media, uh, the fake news that have been spread by the media. So at the moment, the United States uh, shows up after the third day of the withholding of the aircraft, we started to hear the Americans uh, saying, that the judicial branch of Argentina has done a good job by withholding this airplane. So we started to see uh, the United States making statements and demands, and it became evident the complicity of some factors, uh, such as the judge who was in charge of uh, issuing these measures for the withholding of the airplane and uh, crew members. We started to see the delays and the requests uh, for proofs. And after so many things, there was nothing conclusive to back the stories that have been spread by the media. It's very important to say that while this crew was uh, here in Argentina, Kidnapped or oh, there in Argentina, kidnapped <laughs> Entrasur covered all the expenses of the crew. Argentina didn't spend a single peso to uh, maintain these people while they were kidnapped in Ezeiza. Food and accommodation was covered by Entrasur. transportation, all the expenses of the airplane this is such an absurd situation and I want to highlight this because I know that the American uh, audience didn't have the chance to actually access this information because not so many people pay attention to this topic. Uh, However, it's good that this is being uh, shown and made visible. This is uh, summarizing what happened. I wanted to show this the story of the crew, the, because this is an experience they will never forget.
0: I, I mean, I have to say, I find it. I, I didn't know, and I, I've been following your your Twitter account specifically, or when the, you know, when you were covering the story. And as you said, it was really, it's been really, really hard to find uh, this story published in any main mainstream media. Almost impossible. And in fact, some of the articles that I've referenced researching. Um, our conversation today are, I've had, I have found the story covered in trade magazines, magazines for pilots and aircraft airlines and, you know, publications specific to the the aeronautical industry. That's how, uh, how absent it is from mainstream media, except for you. <laughs> and I also, I had no idea. I had no idea that Entresor covered all the expenses while the crew was was grounded in in Argentina. so Emtresor covered the expenses for the Venezuelan crew members. What about the Iranians? Was it who who took care of the Iranians? Also
1: Emtrasur, because they were at disposal of the company. Of course. So there were two uh, colleagues who were not part of the crew in terms of operation. And there was the uh, operations manager and uh, finances uh, manager, because they were trying to conduct new negotiations in the Argentinian territory and broaden the market. So this continues to be, uh, this continues to make me feel outraged because in Argentina they didn't even cover the, the expenses. I mean, so. They made the ki- the kidnapped crew to cover their own expenses, and we would wonder uh, who would have covered this if Entrasur didn't do it. Because you know, you know the situations that we have in Venezuela. This is a state-owned company. We s- we have seen all the limitations derived from the blockade, so it was really difficult. But what happened? What would have happened if Entrasur? couldn't cover those expenses. What could have happened with the crew members? So there are so many questions to be uh, answered. Maybe we will find the responses in the future.
0: It is fascinating that the Argentinian justice system responded to uh, the request order of the United States Department of Justice in holding the plane, in holding the crew, and yet doesn't, cover any of the expenses it's almost like you know they're playing both they play both sides off the middle we'll do what the united states wants but if we actually cover the expenses of the plane and the crew we're admitting that we have a definitive role in holding the plane and the crew on the ground in buenos Aires. you know it's just very it's astounding that you would be held (laughs) and expected to pay for yourself So some of the crew, the Venezuelan crew members were allowed to return to Venezuela October, November of 2022. Is that correct? I repeated the question.
1: Yes, it was progressively. First, there was a group that went back to Venezuela, then a second group, and the last five were the most uh, significant uh, members of the crew, the, the ones of higher hierarchy, the two managers of Entrasur, the main pilot, the person that was uh, mostly targeted by the media, Kasem, and a mechanic, and, and the other person that I don't remember, his function who was also Iranian so they were there uh, up to the end we, we were there because uh there were people like me that was going beyond uh, the professional commitment we were there to express solidarity not yeah. only from the personal point of view but also as uh, representatives of Venezuela due to the brotherhood or the sisterhood between Venezuela and Iran. And I want to highlight two things, Terry. From the beginning, we were very clear that the intention of all this operation was to steal the aircraft. We said it from the beginning. The United States wants to keep this aircraft. I remember the first uh, tweets that I made. And the first thing that uh, it was said is that the United States wants to get a hold of the Venezuelan Iranian airplane. That uh, first firstly said, that's what what I said at first. This is a violation of all sorts of things, not only national regulations of Venezuela and Argentina, but of all the pacts in terms of international uh, public law, all the violations perpetrated in the field of civil aviation. This is an unseen case. And I want to highlight this as well. And several investigations must be uh, uh, made because this is a precedent of uh, actions that could be taken against other assets uh, or um, This is a violation of Venezuelan sovereignty on the first place because this airplane technically was Venezuelan territory you're violating many uh, agreements uh, several pacts and convention and it's also a violation of Argentinian sovereignty due to this subordination that uh, we saw uh, following U.S. orders. And another thing that I want to highlight is the role of m from the commercial point of view. And I'm going to make this very simple. m starts to be uncomfortable because their aircraft a 747 uh, devoted to uh, take cargo from one place to another, offered many advantages because of their capacity. Because while other companies could offer a service uh, in uh, more uh, uh, trips, due to their limited capacity of their aircrafts. And when compared to our, to, to this 747, MTRASUR offered uh, other advantages. This was a huge airplane with a capacity of uh, transporting large amounts of car- cargo, but the costs of uh, their services. Why? Because 70% of uh, the cost of a flight of this type of cargo depends on uh, fuel. In Venezuela, that is a producer, uh, the state allows the possibility of having uh, priority access to fuel at a lower cost. And this created an uncomfortable situation for the market of the region. And this, is, this was also a target to eliminate the company uh, because it was a threat from the competitive point of view. And this was a source of income for Venezuela. And that was also a problem for the Americans.
0: So so in our last few minutes, I, I'm sorry those... for Orlenison and the audience that our interpreter, uh, Carmelo Velasquez, who is so generous with his time and, and donating his time. do the translation he has another um job that he has to go to (laughs) shortly so um we need to let him go and so i i just want to say if i can just ask carmelo before you leave we can ask or the plane is still in buenos aires is it being sent back to the united states or has the argentinian government not determined that yet there was a request earlier this month that it be sent.
1: yeah punctually what we have to wait is for the answer of the argentinian government after the uh, within the framework of the request uh, that the u.s uh, made which is not a request an order it's an order the judge uh, ratified the acquittal of the 14 members of the uh case Uh, but also release the airplane. So there's no case in Argentina against this aircraft. So this is in the hand of the Argentinian executive. We are waiting for that uh, response. And I guess there are many discussions behind, uh, you know, on the backstage. And we are waiting for them to decide to receive our aircraft back in their hands. They have the uh, power to decide. They have the opportunity to uh, put an end to this give the airplane back to venezuela and but to make clear that, that this w- was nonsense and it was just to for the benefit of the interest of the u.s government well, by the end of the year i'm going to uh, publish a book about this case and i'm giving you this uh, breaking news. We're going to include the interviews with the crew members, media follow-up, showing the operations, who was uh, behind this and who acted in this political media judicial operation. And we're going to be able to find these details and we'll be sharing this with you, okay?
0: Oh, that's excellent. That's excellent news. And we'll be sure to have you come back when the book launches. And we'll have you come back and present the book to our audience. That'd be fabulous. If you're willing to, I'd love to have you come back and do that. <laughs> so I guess, you know, I know both of you are, uh, are tight for time. Uh, so we should probably, um, uh, wrap up this episode. I'm so thankful Orlanis, that you had time to join us this morning. Just really an honor for me to work with you. And, uh, I'm so happy to, uh, to to know you as a as a fellow journalist and to call you a friend and activist, um, and as as the audience knows, I so consider Venezuela my second home. So really really wonderful to have you join us today. And thank you, Carmela Velasquez, joining us from Buenos Aires um, to uh, to provide interpretation for the audience. Uh, the two documents that I was not able to screen share, I will post those in the program notes for both. Uh, for both platforms of broadcast so that you have those. And so also I should just remind the audience, you've been watching What the F is Going On in Latin America and the Caribbean. We're a popular resistance broadcast. We broadcast every Thursday, 7.30 p.m. Eastern on simulcast on three YouTube channels, the Convo Couch, Code Pink, and popularresistance.org whose broadcast recordings can be found at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. So thank you, Orlanes. Thank you, Carmelo. And thank you to the audience. We will see you. you. We will see you next week.